0: the Lord be with you. Let us pray. Let us pray. Lord God, dear Father in heaven, we give you thanks for this reprieve in the midst of our Advent discipline to refresh ourselves upon your holy word and your blessed sacraments. Prepare our hearts to rejoice in the incarnation of your son, Jesus, in which we have forgiveness and everlasting life. We thank you for the consolation we have found in the preaching of your word and the administration of your holy sacraments. Bless us this morning in the study of your holy word that we would know the consolation of your love through Jesus Christ, your son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful that some students are sticking around for Bible study today. Some of our regulars are ducking out, I think. Some ex- exams, papers. We won't judge them. Happy you're, happy all year. Um, so we're working through uh, Genesis, as, as you well know. And um, I do want to have a look at the Tower of Babel today. And um, as a way to get there, Maybe something should be said about Genesis chapter ten. Remember, you you wound up last week with Dr. Gierman with Noah's three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and um, we see that all of uh, all of humanity comes through those three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and in. The table of—I uh, always want to say—table of duties. In the table of nations, you have uh, 70 nations that are descended from those three sons. And it's not really intended necessarily to be a totally comprehensive list. It's sort of more of kind of like as an ab- as an abridged summary of the nations. But for those who really dive into this stuff, it's not like whoever you know. It's not like Moses writing that is shooting from the hip. That is like, that's history. That's history. And, uh, and we believe this stuff. Um, I'd like you to also, when you, you know, we're not going to do a deep dive on Genesis chapter 10. But if you're kind of looking at it, I just want you to remember that thus far in Genesis, who are we dealing with here? What, who are the people we're dealing with? Maybe that's a little ambiguous. Uh, yeah, what I, what I intend for you to think about is that I think sometimes when we read the scriptures, we're kind of inclined to think in a ethnocentric sort of way. However, remember, God is dealing with not one or two tribes, but he's dealing with humanity, with the whole family of man. It's worth repeating. Now, of course, when Abraham comes, in Genesis chapter 12, you see that God is working in a very new, with the messianic promise through uh, through Abraham and through his line. Of course, that goes back to Shem and uh, and Seth and um, the first family. So God is heavily invested in in all uh, humanity. And when you see all those nations, those are the nations of the world. So. So basic stuff, who does, the, who does the, the promised line go through of those three sons? Just as basic 101 review here. Of, of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, who does the messianic line go through? Yeah, it goes through Shem. And then you have uh, Ham and, uh, and Japheth. Ham generally goes to North Africa, um, Arabian Peninsula, Shem, Middle East. Um, Japheth uh, what we know is Europe and of course they spread all out from from there okay now as a way of introducing the Tower of Babel because there are so many ways that we can think about this I would uh, yeah I mean so think about how you learn this what's the story of the Tower of Babel you have uh uh, folks who come along and they build a, a tower up in the heavens. Uh, we want to make a name for ourselves. Something about it doesn't sound quite right. God comes down from the heavens, scatters them, and, uh, and confuses their languages. So if you're working through this in Sunday school or just reading through it, I don't know what sort of idea you get. It's like, boy, does, does God dislike skyscrapers or something? Or is he against... Uh, technology or you know what does this all mean so a way that I like to introduce the story is I want you to refresh yourselves in how we're walking through Genesis thus far and I want you to think about kind of the ecclesiology that's working through it ecclesiology is just a fancy word for the church and what is the church remember that God called forth um, Adam and Eve into a church in a, in a family. When it comes to a definition of the church, we have from the Augsburg Confession a very nice definition in Article 7. Remember in the Augsburg Confession, that's a document that's in the Book of Concord, a collection of writings that we Lutherans hold to unconditionally and the seventh article is basically, what is the church? And does anyone remember what that definition is? Anyone remember what that is? The Augsburg Confession, definition of the church, article seven. It doesn't have to be perfect, but what kind of, what, what rings in your head a little bit? Luke? Where the word is rightly preached
1: and the sacraments are rightly
0: administered. Perfect, yeah. Where the word is, is rightly uh, preached and the, and the sacraments uh, correctly administered. That's the, that's the church. So... If you're a Roman Catholic, of course, you're working through that a little differently, right? Because what is the church? Well, you've got to have the, the Holy Father in there, and you've got to have the, the bishops in there and the councils. And, but the Lutheran Reformers, they were kind of radically ecumenical here, biblical. Um, so I'd like you to think about that in the stories that we've been looking at thus far. Remember, Adam and Eve were called to faith in the gospel, of Jesus Christ. Adam and Eve believed that promise of the seed-crushing Savior who was to come, and they preached that gospel, they taught that gospel in their home, okay? And then you had two brothers, uh, Cain and Abel. And remember where we talked about the ecclesiology there between the two brothers? You had Abel, uh, who was offering was um, Abraham, excuse me, God accepted Abel's, um, Abel and his offering, but God had no regard for Cain and his offering. Um, so they were doing a divine service. They were worshiping, right? There was prayer. There was a liturgy. There was divine service. And Cain's offer, offering is, uh, Cain and his offering are rejected. So immediately you see that you have two churches, right? You have the church of Abel and you have the church of Cain. And then you have the church of Seth and the church of uh, Cain and his descendants. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the apostasy of um, the sons of God. That would be uh, um, the the Sethites who are intermingling with the... um, with the daughters of Cain and leading them to apostasy and, and false teaching and false belief. Okay. That was the condition leading up to the flood. After the flood, you have another situation where you got, and Dr. Yerman talked about this last week, you have Noah and his, and his three sons and uh, you have another Garden of Eden situation. Remember, Noah winds up with a vineyard, fruit, drunk, naked, garments, coverings, right? And um, Adam, uh, Ham, he goes out and he blabs about his father's nakedness. OK? And then, um, uh, Shem and Japheth, what do they do to their father? They cover them, cover him. They cover him. So for, for Luther and his commentary, Ham. Ham was taking a shot at his father. Ham was taking a shot at the church. Ham was usurping the authority of his his father. And then you have all sorts of trouble coming from from the church of of Ham. So does does some of that make sense? So I want you to think about all these stories and the ecclesiology of it. Also, you know, you had the um, Bible study last year on the book of Revelation, where you have the church and kind of the anti-church, Christ and the, and the antichrist. So there's no middle ground. And I want you to see that working through all of the, all of the scriptures. No one's neutral in regards to the, to the church. So, the first Christian catechism was called the didache. Have you heard of that? The didache. Kind of the first line is, there is a way of life and there is a way of of death. Dr. Patterson?
2: Yeah, can you comment on some of the parallel language? I missed the first five minutes left, but uh, with the uh, first verses of the um, book, um, with the people here saying, let us do this, let us do that, kind of culminating with, let us make a name for ourselves, paralleling that with um, God saying, let us make man in our image. Now uh, that the people of uh, the earth are kind of
0: Trying to do things the wrong way. Yeah, it's a it's it mirrors it echoes the uh, the fall into sin in paradise. It sounds a lot like it, doesn't it? So yeah, I'd like to talk about that. Let's have a reader. Let's have a, a reader. And I should you know there's other things I want to mention about chapter ten, but we'll we'll link them in as we go. Let's start with uh, chapter eleven, and then I'd like a, a reader for verses one through nine. Who can do that? Go ahead, please.
1: So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of the whole earth, and they left off. And they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of all the whole earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth.
0: Okay. So this is, um, you know, this is. This is, after the, this is after the flood, after landing, okay? And you have uh, all of humanity in one place. They're in the east, um, and in the land of uh, Shinar, which even if you're into history, I mean, this is kind of Mesopotamia and Euphrates. This is where it all... This is where the consensus is that, hey, it all civilization generally started here. And they say... Um, they're migrating from the east. And there's kind of different also interpretations about whether they're coming from the east or going to the east. The way that Luther works it out in his commentary here is that these are the these are the descendants of Ham who are basically bullying and pushing out the, the, the descendants of, of Shem. Okay. Um, by the way, who is the leader who started the, who led the building project of the, the Tower of Babel? Anyone know his name? Yeah, normally it's an insult. I, was everyone any, ever called a Nimrod as a kid? I remember my my sister used to call me Nimrod. I don't remember that. I don't know if kids do that anymore. It's kind of interesting. It's uh, it's kind of cool. It's like an insult now, right? Um. Means rebel. There's Nimrod. Uh, this is uh, this is Luther. I wanted to share this with you. I'm getting a lot of, a little out of order here, but Nimrod and his Yang they come in to the land, and um, and this is really a, a hostile takeover. This is Luther. That Nimrod is called a a hunter must not be understood I didn't type that right of the usual sort of hunting some princes devote themselves to hunting with such senseless passion that they prefer it to grave affairs of state and would rather be regarded as bold hunters than as wise rulers but Moses points out that Nimrod hunted and pursued human beings not wild beasts and especially those who ruled the church Who ruled the church by teaching that's kind of interesting right i think he's described as a as a hunter but the word as i understand is a little loose where it can also be uh tyrant and dr grimm if there's anything you want to add to to this but you know luther works this out as a as a christian persecution
3: Yeah, he's twice described as hunting before the Lord, which is odd, especially if he's the proper name of the Lord there in chapter 9. Team before nine, the Lord. Nine. Okay. So it's, it gives you, whatever you do with the warrior or the hunter word, it's, he's doing something God, you know, right before the Lord. Okay. In the eyes of the Lord, after the Lord, before the Lord, okay. in the face of the Lord. So he's, he's going after okay. lordly things. Okay. You know, that kind
0: of Okay, so yeah, it's more than it's more than waterfowl, right? He's, 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 this is a different sort of hunting before the Lord. And Luther, he just sees Christian persecution all over this. And I got, I got another, I can't, yeah, here we go. I have no doubt that by this picture, Moses wanted to present the story of all tyrants who would rage against the state and the church in later times. For he calls Nimrod a mighty persecutor of the saints of God, an enemy of the word and of the church. And Nimrod is a grandson of Ham. Remember, Ham is one who overthrows the authority of his father. So there's no neutral, neutral ground here. So what are they building here? Building a city and a tower. And what are they going to make out of it? What are they going to make it of? Yeah. Yeah, they make it out of brick and mortar and bitumen. We normally make a case of pointing that out here. Now, what does that make you think of? As far as I know, the only, <clears throat> I'm just guessing here. I didn't, haven't totally checked this out, but what's the next time you hear about bricks and mortar in the Bible? Judy, you want to take a shot?
1: I'm going to...
0: Yeah, that's right. So um, yeah, brick and mortar, it, there is some sort of connotation here of do, yeah, doing things the way that God has not instructed them to be done. Something else is going on here. So um, generally, when it comes to churchly things, the, the, um, the means of building is stone. So there are times where the prophets will go after how fallen things are because they're making altars not out, of, not out of rock and stone, but out of bricks. And that's a bad sign. Isaiah has several, several references to that. Okay, so when we start building the tower here, I want you to think about ecclesiology here. That there's, there's churchly stuff going on here. Not just any tower, Not just any any city. And it, it also has its top in the heavens. And the Hebrew word for top is actually head, which is unique. And then, you know, you can jump around a little bit. What's the next time you have a statue built in Shinar? Remember that? Easter vigil reading. Nebuchadnezzar, right? Building the idol. Building the tower, Michelle. Well, and it
1: talked about like building a city, and the last person who it talked about building a city was
0: Cain. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, so any, you know, that's a, one of the theses. And I know Dr. Gurman really likes to work with that. With God's people, they're they're on the move, right? And any, and then you have people kind of hunkering down, and and building a city. Something, something different is going on here. Yeah, the the first guy who builds. Uh, a city is Cain, uh, is and now you have it happening all over again, and geographically it also looks like it's in the same place. Dr. Gurman?
3: Yeah, just real quick on that first line that they say, it it's just continues to strike me um uh, the word that's used for making bricks is like make brick, and then it's the noun for brick, so it's like let us brick bricks, and then if you can turn brick into a verb, that would be brick bricks, and then burn for a burning. And even the, like you pointed out, the two men of mortar, those words rhyme too, and, and it's like even in their speech, again, the whole, the whole earth has one language, same words, they sound monotonous. Let's brick bricks and burn, burn. and. Uh, mm. Omer Hamer, that's the, the two words they rhyme for brick and mortar, that's Omer Hamer and brick, brick, and burn, burn they're just they're repetitive, they're monotonous, why do you keep saying the same thing again and again, you know, this kind of, right, and so I think it's, I mean, on, one, on the one hand, it's a brilliant way to show they have the same words, but it's another like your point on the brick and mortar in Exodus is mm-hmm. that's, that's enslavement, yeah. and here it's like, let's Let's become slaves. Let's do that. Let's jump in and become slaves linguistically. You know? And yeah. does that sound familiar when the world says, you will speak this way, and yeah. the rest of the world will speak this way, and this is the way to speak, and you repeat after me, or you're done. You know, that kind of... comply compl- Compliance. Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's, 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 let's be slaves to that. Yeah. You know, let's make bricks, and brick, brick, and mortar, mortar, and all.
0: So what do you do with that? The repetitiveness. What do you kind of suggest? Yeah, no, I just, just it's,
3: it's it's kind of this mindless ah, yeah. repetition. Okay. Uh, brick, brick. Something, de-human, something dehumanizing. So something is, mechanical. This is how we speak. Yeah.
0: You
3: know, why do you keep saying the same? It turns into cliches.
0: Okay. That sounds all familiar right now. Yeah.
3: Why do you keep saying the same stuff? This right. is how we speak. Speak after me. Okay. These are the acceptable Words. Right. Brick, brick, burn, 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 brick, brick. You know, that's yeah. kind of. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Right. The whole earth had the same word. It just strikes me the way that it. These are. I know some of this is Hebrew terms, but that's just how it. Like this is. This is what the world. So this is the false church. Yeah. This is how the false church works. Right. right? We right. have a language too. Right. Get in line. Sure. Get in line. This is our creed. This is our speech. Yeah. These are the acceptable terms. Got it. These nice. These are the unacceptable terms. Mm-hmm. Speak after me. Brick. Brick. Right. right. Burn. Burn. Right. You know, this kind, of, this kind of
0: thing. So anyway, I don't want to derail. But no, that's, that's totally fascinating. Burn. Yeah. So you can think about all the secular creeds and mantras and liturgies yeah. that develop. Yeah. That's fascinating. I'm reading Dante right now. German tipped me off on this, <laughs> so I mentioned I just sermon reference today, and I'm just having a hard time not connecting things. It's really interesting. So I think this is I think this is uh, ninth circle of hell or something. You don't want to be there. That's where Nimrod is. So this is from Dante. Nimrod is this. So and you can can you see? Uh, there's Virgil. Virgil and Dante, the pilgrim, traveling here. And they come upon, uh, they got him as a giant here. They come upon the giant Nimrod. Nimrod is this, through whose ill counsel in the world no more one tongue prevails. But pass we on, nor waste our words, for so each language is to him, as is to others understood by none. It looks like he's got some sort of creature pelt wrapped around him. want to read a little more luther he's just so good the descendants of ham namely nimrod and the others had invaded the region that had fallen to shem the heir of the promise concerning christ because they were inclined toward despotism they had a desire not only to drive out the descendants that the descendants of shem but also to establish a new government and a new church so it's kind of this totalitarian uh church false church okay new government new church I kind of a technocratic totalitarian state if you can imagine that oh this is a reference to Isaiah I want to share on on bricks and stone I spread out my hands all the day to rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good following their own devices a people who provoke me to my face continually sacrificing in gardens and making offerings on bricks got it so this brick building stuff these brick altars not good god doesn't like that already in the material you can see a very man-centered self-glorifying enterprise here so obviously we're not knocking that you you know can or can't use bricks but in the narrative here, there's there's significance, Dr. Patterson.
2: Um, help me out here on something. So, I see throughout the scriptures, it's always man kind of going his own way and falling into sin again and again. And in this case, they say, "Let us do this thing, uh, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth." So they seem to identify that there would be some they, their plans would um, kind of come to ruin if they ended up getting dispersed. Yeah. And then God does what they don't want to happen and he disperses right. them. Yeah. Um, is, there, um, is there anything to be said for kind of the merciful action of God throughout the entire scriptures here dealing with like uh, um, uh, dealing mercifully with the nations, I suppose? Because all these people who are dispersed certainly are under the promise of all nations.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So the first commandment the the first kind of you know divine call to man is be fruitful multiply what's next fill yes fill fill the earth you you have that repeated after the flood to Noah and his sons so you see here a um especially with 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 ham that there is resistance to that uh that command and they almost want to create a, you know, a fellowship apart from the grace and promise of God. I think that's what's behind a lot of it. Um, also, the resistance to being dispersed. You know, I, don't necess- I don't have to hold this, but Josephus and Augustine, they make the point that you know, God promised that he wouldn't flood the world again, but the world had been flooded. I mean, you're going you're gonna to remember that, right? And so there is some thinking that they are building up this tower is a way to resist God's judgment of the flood. You know, even though, of course, he promised not to flood. But there could be a, you know, wanting to protect themselves from God's judgment, to wall themselves off here. But to your point, there is a, there is a merciful way that God deals with his rebellious children. So after the fall in the sin, you see God come in with the curse of the fall, and I intended a few weeks ago, when he talked about that, to talk about yes, the merciful ways that God deals with, with us rebels, that even in that curse, even in that judgment, uh, it's it's a merciful way by which God is restoring order, and 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 doing what's best for us and calling us all to to repentance. And you do see that in the, you do see that in the, in the scattering. God is saving them from themselves, right? And that—I mean—that's one of the things that we that we pray for in the Lord's Prayer, right? Um, Thy will be done. I remember a professor at sem that anytime you're praying that petition, you're praying against yourself. You're praying against your own sinful will. So even when God comes in, He's dealing mercifully um, with Adam and Eve after the fall, also with. Um, with Noah and his descendants and also with the dispersing at the Tower of Babel. I mean it depends on how you think of it. It's you could think of it as a benign punishment, maybe, compared to the flood, but it's also in a way more devastating because it affects every it affects every generation. But it's for our good uh, to point us to point us to christ and eventually it does so i mean now that as long as you brought up the dispersion i i would hate to go through our time together without talking about the gift of pentecost right so um the one time that this bible reading comes up in the whole church year is guess guess what feast pentecost so you have the tower of babel the dispersion of man and that dispersion, by the way, is laid out in chapter 10. I don't know if I fleshed that out for you. But chapter 10, that table of nations, is a description of what happens after Genesis 11, Tower of Babel. Does that make sense? So in Pentecost, what happens? You have the 50 days after Easter. The Holy Spirit descends. You've got tongues of fire. The apostles get up and they, what do they start preaching. They start talking in tongues which means that they're speaking gibberish that no one can understand. Agree or disagree? Disagree. 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 They're preaching a dead Orthodox Lutheran sermon. That's what I like to say. They're preaching the gospel. They're preaching uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ and they're reversing the Tower of Babel. So who's surrounding them? Well, all the nations of, of earth are now miraculously all around this preaching of the gospel. So you have a reversal of the Tower of, the go- of, the, the, of, the tower of Babel, and now you have this common fellowship and and voice of unity which is the gospel that brings all nations together and who's going to bring people together not a totalitarian technocratic state with a with some you know dictator but it's Christ Christ will bring us together now of course they're not all speak in the same language but there's perfect there's perfect unity there there's perfect unity So, and you experience that as a Christian. So when you bump into, you know, when you bump into like a Lutheran brother or sister in Christ from Germany or Africa, or we had Savitsky family, you guys had those Scandinavian boys up here, those Norwegian guys. I mean, immediately you give them a hug and you think, hey, these are my brothers. These are my sisters. We confess the same faith. There's nothing that separates us. I so, Andy, do you want to say yeah, something? this is a question
3: about this um, part where it says, Lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. It's almost as though they're hearing this from someone, because uh, it kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, or, I don't know if this goes back to what we were saying about Ham um, and Shem or the ungodly and godly, where it sounds like they're not believing something that they've heard. Uh, Let's build this so we're not dispersed, and someone's saying, You will be dispersed. Yeah. Um, so I just didn't know that. Because what's going on there? there's like okay, let's build this tower. Uh, let's be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Uh, so it sounds like they're hearing that this is going to happen from
0: someone. Mars, in
3: Direct opposition to God's first
0: command and the earth and subdue it. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the only way I'm reading. It. I'm reading it as ver- just a re- yeah a rebellious, sinful desire uh, to start a new church. And to live in opposition to the holy will of God, which is be fruitful, multiply, fill uh, the earth. Dr. Goodman, what do you just want to
3: real say? So quick on the word name, name is shem. Yeah. Right. So let's make a shem for ourselves. Right. This is the shem or you need, you gotta make your own shem. I don't want anything to do with that shem. We need a name. We need a shem for ourselves. You know that kind of. I was just wondering. Um, you had said maybe like we're talking about people coming from peace, and This is persecution. Can we say those people are saying, let's make a name. Noah and his
0: descendants, are saying, "Well, we're going to say if you do, if you do this, you will be dispersed, sort of like almost like." A oh, I see it. Yeah, I'm totally open to that. Yeah, I mean, do, yeah. Let's not forget, Noah is still around for 300 years after the flood, so he's watching this stuff, and I like to think of him still preaching the gospel. And so you have this false church that's probably acting in opposition to the faithful preaching of of Noah. Yeah, I'm all for that, Michelle. Well,
1: and. For Ham, what is it? Canaan was supposed to be like a servant of um like Shem or whatever. Right. So it could be that like they didn't want to spread out with like Shem's descendants or something. Um, or I don't know, like if they're going against someone like but against God's word and maybe against like what Shem, who's like the, gonna be the new like head of the church, is telling them to.
0: Sure, yeah, certainly in opposition to, to Shabba. And I'll have to think about that a little more.
2: Joe's here. Joe's oh, Joe. Okay.
0: Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Joe. i got to look over that way
1: more.
2: Uh, so when it, when it says, let us make a name for ourselves, that's that's a little, I'm getting that there's kind of a little more to that than like, hey,
3: let's uh, let's make ourselves a, you know, like you would say that today, let's make a, like, a reputation for
2: ourselves. Yeah. Let's just, let's so, so then later on, They were gonna make him yeah. go to
3: the land
0: I'll show you. And right. when he gets
2: there, he, he builds an altar, right, which is his tent. Yeah. And then what does it say he does? He says, and he called upon the name of the Lord.
0: Right, right. And who's gonna make his his shem great? God is gonna do that. Yeah, God is gonna do that. So, I mean, this is really the central theme in Holy Scripture. You have the Magnificat, right? God humbles those of, of, of proud estate. He exalts the, the lowly. Um, yeah, so it's a perfect, this is all a perfect setup for the call to Abraham, God making his name great, and the, the promise of the Savior coming through through Abraham. Uh, Isaac. It
2: reminds me of like the Lord's breath, like in 2nd you pray, be thy name. Oh, right. right? Absolutely it seems like this is sort of like I want my name to be called in great versus God's name that seems
0: to be like the attitude having. yeah yeah absolutely absolutely uh, that brings us to you know just some other themes in scripture I want you to be thinking about this Proverbs the name of the Lord is a strong tower the righteous man runs into it and is safe is this a good tower is this the sort of tower you want to be part of think about Psalm 46 what's our as Lutherans what's our favorite hymn you see yeah money fortress so i want you to think about these two two churches two towers two cities cities of man city of city of god peter bruegel you familiar with this painter peter bruegel this is the tower of babel it's just too cool not to share with you um you can see how massive it is. You can see the city behind it.
3: You can see the worshiping Nimrod.
0: Yeah, thank you. I want to get to that. Yeah, you can see. You, yeah, you got Nimrod down here, and I have some detailed pictures so we're really going to bring that out. So nice work, all right. You got a big uh, fence back here, walling in the city. This is kind. Of, this is kind of fascinating. The um, what color is it inside? Yeah, and I don't know how far you want to push that, but... You got a Dante reference again? <laughs> no, I got a butchering reference. Josh helped me butcher a deer a couple, couple nights ago, and once you get inside there, what's the color? Yeah, I mean, maybe it's red, maybe there's some sort of human quality or some sort of monstrous quality about it. It's like a terracotta inside. looks like blood. Remember that when it says a top in the heavens, it's actually the word for, for head. I'm also calling to mind Nebuchadnezzar on the plains of Shinar, who built the, who built the, the idol, the giant idol, and to whom he asked you know, all to worship. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, of course, did not. See that? Look at all this. You see these, this detail? These people working in these machines, the scaffolding. Isn't that incredible? It's above the clouds. There's Nimrod. Look at him. He's got a scepter. He's got a crown. He's got a cape. And there you got the, the stone cutters or the bricklayers. And they're genuflecting all oh, right, aren't they? They're no, genuine. Quite, they're quite worshiping. What, what's that, Jordan?
1: It's quite, quite hairy to both
0: around Oh, yeah. Mm.
1: Like beast
0: life. Right, right. Yeah, nice beard. <laughs> they're worshiping. This is, a, this is a religious enterprise here.
2: It's worth remembering that uh, one of uh, Nimrod's great cities, Nineveh, and, That's right. And, um, through the prophet Jordan.
0: That's right. Yeah, uh, Nimrod had a few cities. The other one was Acada. Yeah. There. yeah.
2: There. Is that a river running?
0: What? Is that a river running behind them? Uh, there's a, yeah. There's a uh, down here.
2: Does that look like a moat around it? going down to the water. Yeah
1: there's definitely the ship, yeah.
0: There's This is kind of nifty. These are people walking in this little like rat wheel thing. And this would elevate the stones. is that awesome? Some of this there. is reflected in revelation
3: the, the prostitute on the, the other city, the scarlet colors. Ah and, you
0: know, there's another city, the
3: two cities. Right,
0: right. You
3: know. But that's Babylon and that's you no know, Right, this is Bab this yeah.
0: is yeah. this yeah. is the start of Babylon. Yeah,
3: right. So it's, right. it's picked up at the end. This
0: is this is the origin story of the whole Babylonian yeah. history, right here. And that's where you have the Gilgamesh epics. Sometimes there's a thought that Gilgamesh is actually Nimrod. I don't know if you've heard that before. Yeah. What's written on those walls there?
1: Or is that just?
0: I don't see it. Where?
1: Right there? Oh, yeah, beside the
0: windows. I can't tell. I can't tell. Yeah, I'm just amazed by the detail here. What are these men trying to do, says God? This is from Luther. They're building a city and a tower against my church, surely a laughable undertaking, since they are sons of men. Therefore, it should not frighten us if we see the Pope, like Nimrod, building a citadel for the purpose of suppressing the church while he incites the Turk and the world around us. So in this story, you know, Luther's taking all sorts of comfort because he realizes that you always have a, you always have a counterfeit church right and recognizes that as powerful as nimrod may be he's nothing when it comes to god and you even have that line where they're building its top into the heavens and then you have the language of god actually having to come down and see what they're what they're up to yeah i like this The Lord is certainly laughing at these futile plans and will confound him also. Thus the Holy Spirit comforts the true church, which has been troubled by the church of Satan. Lest it believe that God is paying no attention to it. So that's why I wanted always to keep Pentecost before your eyes here. It's a setup for the call to Abraham and making his name great and the 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 promise of the savior uh to come through abraham and it anticipates the great event of pentecost the reversal of the tower of babel where god draws all men to himself you know at the tower of the cross if you will where god unites all clans all families all people to himself so with just a couple minutes here, you know, I don't know if you have any personal reflections or contemporary applications of how to interpret the account of the Tower of Babel. I mean, you can learn a lot about government. You can learn, you know you know, we all have our Tower of Babel projects both kind of corporately in terms of our nation and world, and we also have personal babble projects, don't we, of pridefully wanting to assent, make a name for ourselves. That's why we're obsessed about what other people think about us, our reputation, our status. And, of course, God has a tendency to bring our tower down right to humble us and to uh draw us to himself so any thoughts on any of that
2: just that god says that he has called us by name and that we are his yeah so he's the one giving us our
0: name that's right he and he gives us his very own name right he makes our name great by giving us his own name where he calls us his own children in, in holy baptism. So we don't have to climb and claw our way up to the, uh, up to heaven. That, you know, this is a, kind of a nice setup for Advent, that God comes down and he comes down in mercy um, with a word of consolation and, and forgiveness.
2: We had a quite powerful discussion on Thursday night, or Tuesday, what night was that presentation? Tuesday night? Uh, and, uh, what happens when we affirm people in their delusions? Mm. And I think that's applicable here in terms of the the people of uh, Babel were deluded into thinking that they could make a name for themselves, and God comes down and squashes their plans. Of course, yeah. I think there's some, some mercy there sure. for, them, uh, for him to do that. Um, that's a nice you know, connection. Unless we, we, we think that we're that we're kind of protected from our own delusions, we're certainly we struggle with our own. Yeah,
0: great, great connection. Dr. Patterson is referring to our presentation from Dr. Yonke this past Tuesday night with transgenderism. Is that not a, um, a project of rebelling against the God of love and rebuilding the human uh, you know, creature as something other than what God himself has given? The transgender movement and the delusion of um, transgenderism is a tower of Babel, if there ever was one. And yet, God will, at some time and at some place, and even now, He's working out judgment there, and calling to uh, and calling to repentance. Dr. Yaki talked about the sorrow and depression that so often follows tran- uh, the trans um, transitioning, whatever you want to call it. That it's far from satisfying, but brings. Increased Distress And so We experience God's judgment there So that, yeah you can think of the Transgender movement as part of it You know another connection I, I think of is the um, You know Nimrod's project is kind of this One world total uh, Project of, um, kind of Totalitarian control and worship I kind of think of the, like the Fringe of the environmental movement And Something of the same way. You you have Nimrod and Ham's descendants terrified of being dispersed or some sort of judgment there. And you have the environmental movement that's afraid of well everything flooding.
2: Global warming. Heat,
0: yeah, global warming, heat, and I mean, if you listen to them, what do they want? They essentially want a one-world government to completely control uh, people's lives there. Mr. Svitsky?
3: Yeah, I was, I was thinking uh, the Luther comment about a, a one, not just a new government, but a new church. Uh, striking how similar, for me, just
2: hearing this is to Islam. Literally in the same location.
0: Yeah.
2: A common language.
0: Right. A,
3: a rejection of Christ. I'd be very interested to in know how do they interpret? because there certain sections of scripture that, that they reference? Right. How
0: yeah I mean Ham's descendants they go to the the Arabian Peninsula and Africa and their descendants are uh, yeah Islam I'd have to look at know think about that we have one more question
1: uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, when I read it, I got, I got guys up on the tower, and one guy's up there, he asks his partner for this two-drive or something, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> you know? I mean, when I'm reading it, it's probably worked out like that, but God is doing the dispersing, and how long it, it took for, uh, for all these nations to, to separate. I don't, I don't know if it was totally instantaneous. We do know it was during... Uh, In Genesis 10, there's a reference to a guy named Peleg. And we get to understand that it happened during his lifetime. So it's probably fairly quickly. But we also recognize that it's a natural, you know, it's a development that would continue. And, you know, there's so much to talk about with, you know, even the fall into sin about division. Division and fellowship of being torn apart and being brought back together. It's such a theme in Genesis. There's so much, there's so much going on there. But yeah, the, 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 yeah it, it all leads up to Christ Himself uniting us into one body, giving us His own name as His baptized children. And so, the only true, authentic, real fellowship that you can ever have is in Christ and in the tower and fortress of His Church and the Word and sacraments. That's what the that's what the true life is. That's where true fellowship is. And that's where God Himself is present, and His heavens are present for Him. So again, we don't have to climb and claw our way up to heaven. He condescends down to us, comes to us in, uh, in word and sacrament. Okay, right at time. I'll leave you with a benediction. The Lord bless you and defend you and lead you to everlasting life. Depart in
2: peace. Amen. Amen.